money. How do we earn it? How do we manage it? How do we plan our finances? An extremely important topic in today's time. And what is the way to think about it? We today have with us our guest, Ronak, who's going to take us through the five principles that you can use to be able to think about the way you plan your finances. Ronak has 10 years of experience in strategic financial planning, risk assessment and market research, actually over 10 years. Yep. Uh, his aim is to empower everyone with the knowledge of disciplined financial planning, which would help them become financially secure and independent. He believes ideas don't change your life. You change your life with the power of great ideas by implementing them. Ronak, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, before we get into the questions and before we get into the the system, I'd like to just sort of get an understanding from you uh, with regard to how you discovered this method. We're talking about, of course, uh, a system of financial planning and you know, the core principles um, that are not just important because it, it helps everyone get started, but also universally applicable. I mean, there's a very broad uh, applicability to this. So how did you discover this? How did you come across these principles? So the reason I chose this uh, generic topic is I wanted to make something which is relevant to everyone. Mm -hmm. Now, whether you could be a first-time investor or someone who has been investing for over 10 years, people just sometimes don't know what they are doing is right because they don't know the flow of it. So I want to take everyone through the five steps of financial planning wherein they understand what they are doing step by step. Is it relevant? Is that how what most of the people successfully do on the planet and is that how people manage their wealth? So I'll take you in 2010, in the year 2010, when I started financial planning industry and when I started meeting a lot of clients and I say, you know, I'm a financial advisor, I can help you plan your finances. Yeah. And people used to say, oh, I invest into property. I do fixed deposit. I've got gold. And I'm sorted with financial planning because people say that is all what you call is financial planning. Am I right? So also I used to meet a lot of people who say sometimes, oh, I'm a CA by myself or I'm an MBA in finance. So I don't need someone to help me with my financial planning. I already know what to do with my finances. So I always say, you know, sometimes you need to reach out to the specialist to understand what you're doing is because until you ask, the answer is no. So we don't know what we are doing is right or wrong until unless we have reached out to someone to understand how other people on these planet on this planet are managing their finances. Sure. So the steps which I'm going to take you through in this entire podcast is going to be very simple for anyone who wants to understand if they have never done financial planning, how to get started and from where to get started. Perfect. Um, so let's look at it and break it down in this manner. L you know, let's look at the whole picture first. So let's look at it. Uh, if you could list out, okay, this is the framework. These are the steps. So if you could give everyone an idea that this is how we look at it from an overall perspective, and then let's break down and go into each of those, uh, you know, each of those areas or principles uh, when it comes down to financial planning. So if you'd like to take us through the overview first. Yep, sure. I'll keep it very simple. So the very first step of financial planning is I always say your foundation for every financial plan should be very important. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say foundation in financial planning, what I mean to say is called contingency fund. Contingency fund in financial planning is called nothing but a financial cushion, which is your six to 12 months of your monthly expenses. Now, whenever a lot of people say, you know, I want to start investing or I want to get going with something, this is my first question to them. Mm -hmm. Do you have a six months buffer in place? Now, why that is important? Because it is as good as you starting plan, you jumping into something without having a strong foundation. So sure. when I say a strong foundation, I was actually looking at Google and looking at Burj Khalifa, one of the magnificent building which we have in this part of the world. Do you know, a lot of people would know it, the foundation of Burj Khalifa is as deep as 164 feet or you can say 50 meters, hmm. which is how 
the engineers have built it so that they make sure this tall tower sustains you know uh, they have to make that strong yeah. so a financial cushion an emergency plan is nothing but keeping a six months of your expenses as a buffer at every given point in time in your bank account so that tomorrow something goes wrong in 2020 the entire gulf news and khalij times and most of the newspapers were filled with these articles in the money section wherein people were losing jobs they were getting a pay cut and they say that okay what do i do now and then they end up building onto their credit card debt because they did not had that buffer yep. so a lot of my clients do that which i always tell them you it's a very basic thing whether you're in us you're in australia you're in canada if you ever meet a certified financial advisor he would say keep 6 months of your expenses as a buffer at every given point in time there are so many clients of mine who say i keep a 12 months buffer especially in this part of the world and that 12 month buffer is also actually split into two bank account one is my account so, sorry when you say buffer what do you mean so it's it's your expenses so sure. whatever are your expenses if your income is 50000 dirham and your expenses are 30000 dirham you need to keep 6 months of your expenses as a buffer at every given point in time and so you'd recommend keeping this in the bank account Absolutely. No, absolutely. You can keep it in the bank account. I, you don't need to make money out of it. That's okay. Sure. We call that as a financial cushion. Yep. That's your foundation. Something goes wrong, you need to have that in place because it's it's like you don't. You would have a lot of other investments from which you can make money, but it's like if you get a job loss or something Correct. like that, you have some buffer to fall back on so that you don't add up your new credit card debts. So this is your emergency fund. You That's your emergency fund in case of an emergency. Sure. Absolutely. Perfect. Absolutely. So what bank else on. would be there in that sort of? uh that base layer that you're saying the foundation so emergency fund what else so first is your emergency fund that's your uh -huh. first step of financial planning okay the second step before you move forward is we always say there are three d's of every individual's life which is beyond your control okay now when i say three d's what i mean is it's called debt it's called disease it's called disability hmm. I don't know, but a lot of people would say you you know your birth date, but do you know your death date? Sure. Or do you know the date when you will be diagnosed with a critical illness? So I have, unfortunately, I would say settled four critical illness claims in the last six months, and out of these four, two claims were the ones wherein they just went for a regular checkup. They said, you know, why went for a checkup? So I went for a checkup, or my husband went for a checkup, so I went for a checkup, and then they're diagnosed with some of the other critical illness. Mm -hmm. So you don't know. They did not plan for it. They did not know the date when they will be diagnosed sure. by critical illness. And the third D is disability. if i'm driving on a sheikh zaid road or an emirates road i know that you know sometimes people would see there would be an accident yeah. so it's not 100% sure that if i'm leaving for office today i'm going to return back home or a lot of people would say oh if it's an accident i'll never be a part of it it would always be someone else yeah so these so, are risks that we 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 don't necessarily have any control over correct but you should always have a plan b you should not think what's the worst that can happen mm. but it's like not having a plan b in place it's like you know you're not planned you're not planned for the most uh, important things in life wherein whether whether you want to plan for your retirement you want for your kids education or whatever you want to plan for the first step is have you protected your income today Correct. so which is a part of the 3d's your debt disease disability so once you build your contingency fund the second step before jumping into having a savings plan and investment plan which is important you should also look into having like i want to start a savings plans but i need to make sure that tomorrow something goes wrong I have a plan B in place because sure. Let's suppose you're planning a savings plan for your kids' education for ten years. My question is, what is the guarantee next ten years your health is going to be the same? Correct. Or what is the guarantee that next ten years you're going to be alive to pay for that investment plan? Sure. So it's it's like if I if I bring it into the context of the example that you were giving earlier. I mean, so you're saying you know the first step is obviously putting that foundation into place. Absolutely. This would be like building a safety net. That's a safety net exactly. Yeah. So you're 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 taking care. of the 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 things that you're going to sort of put into place after that uh you've got a strong foundation going so you know you you're secure in 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 hard times or in difficult times now you've got the safety net then uh, you know what happens post that 
So the third step is then getting into a goal-based financial planning. Now, a lot of times people would refer the goal to the sport called football. So I'll try and make it very simple. Let's suppose you're playing football in a football ground and there is no goal post. Yeah. What are you going to do with the ball? That's a good question. Okay. So when it comes to goal-based financial planning, we always say to my clients that I meet a lot of, end up meeting a lot of people who say that, okay, I've got some investments here. I've got some forced office deposits. I've got some fixed deposits in India or I've got some ESOPs with my company. I've got some investments in properties. Yep. So the kindness is kind of scattered all around. Mm. But when I ask them, what are you going to do with all these investments? They say, I have never or not earmarked any of them to any of my specific financial goal. Mm. So goal-based financial planning, the reason why it is very important is because if you have a definite goal in place, you would know that what's the risk you're going to take with your investment, what's your time horizon, what kind of asset class you need to choose for. So let's suppose when I say I have a long-term goal for my retirement, I know my retirement is 20 years down the line, 25 years down the line. So it's a, you know now it's a long-term goal. So now yep. when you know it's a long-term goal, you can take a little more risk as compared to a short-term financial goal. Now when you can take more risk, you know, yes, I can go into an asset class which is equity yep. because that's going to generate return over a long period of time. So once you've decided that goal, then it boils down to very simple, okay, fine, what kind of risk am I going to take, which asset class I'm going to invest. But if you've never decided that goal, also, when you've decided a goal, there's something called portfolio rebalancing, which comes into picture. So sure. one of a couple client came to my office two weeks back and they were asking me this question. Yes, Ronak, we are saving for our daughter's education. She's eight now. She's going to, she, she will, we will start saving this for next 10 years. But what is the guarantee next 10 years down the line? The markets would still remain up. There's nothing like, you know, the, nine, the 2008 recession would happen or we are going through Russia, Ukraine thing, something that will not happen. Sure. Now, when you've decided a goal that you need money after 10 years, what you need to do is you need to start rebalancing your portfolio. Mm. So year one, I'm 100% equity. Year two, I'm 90% equity, 10% debt. Year three, I'm 80, 20. So what you do is over the period of time, what you've done is you have rebalanced your portfolio from 100% equity to 100% debt so that tomorrow's something goes wrong as in when you come closer to your goal you have already you know mitigated that risk Correct. of losing that money so you're, you're essentially securing portions of uh, of the uh, of the wealth that you've accumulated Correct. into uh, either assets or into instruments that are less volatile or less prone to sort of ups and downs so that when you near your goal you have access to a good amount of the capital or the entire amount that you require Absolutely. There's a thumb rule, right? 100 minus your age should be your equity allocation. So if you ask me today, 70%, obviously 100% of my investments are into equity. But if I talk about my parents, based on their age, if someone is over 60, they're 60%, 100 minus 60, only 40% they can take equity. Even people who have retired, they're not going to take even 1% exposure with uh, sure. their hard-earned money. Because you go through three three stages of life, your wealth accumulation, wealth creation, wealth preservation. So by the time you retire, you're into your wealth preservation stage, you want to preserve what you have built. Correct. So the thing is, you need to move into a safer asset class. So I'm just saying, so once you know your goal that now I'm nearing retirement, if you started saving from 30 and you want to retire at 60, by the time you're on a 50, 55, you start moving into a less risky asset class. You start moving to some safe haven so that you know you don't have that risk that tomorrow if something goes wrong, my sure. retirement is at risk or my child education is at risk. Correct. So now, uh, you know, uh, perfect. What happens next? I mean, what is the next part of the process? So... Uh, once you've done with your foundation, once you've done with your safety net, once you're done with your goal-based planning, then the most important thing comes is retirement. Mm. So a lot of people, I always ask this question is, how when you spend money, do you ever think that you're spending money because you're earning money? Mm. But at some point in time, you're going to come to a stage that you'll not be earning money, but you still need money to spend. 
So okay. whenever I do a meetings over that period of 10 years, I have realized that after meeting more than 2,000 professionals, seven out of 10 people I meet, you can say fortunately or unfortunately, they're supporting their parents back home. Sure. Now, why they're supporting their parents back home is because, okay, they did, they find it as an emotional obligation saying that, you know, they took care of their parents and I need to take care of my parents, which is fine. I sure. agree. I don't disagree on that. But second part is the parents did not do their retirement planning. or probably they did do their retirement planning but they did not factor that you know the inflation is going to shoot up the interest rates going to come down so that's also one of the angle wherein i say people who want to retire at 60 people who want want to live like people if they're going to live these days till 80 yeah. i ask this question to my clients and they laugh at it. i say what about your company does not pays you a salary for 20 months how would things be with you yeah. they say 20 months it's going to be really challenging i say the reason i said 20 months because let's suppose you said you're going to retire at 60 you're going to live till 80 for 20 years which is 20 into 12 240 months there's going to be no income correct so if there's going to be no income how are you going to survive because your expenses are not going to stop now there is also some ways of retirement planning wherein they have a concept called fire fire is a financial independent retire early motion wherein you know people want to retire early these days correct. if you really ask me and all, for all my listeners people don't want to retire at 55 60 yeah. like most of the clients when i meet they say i want to retire at 45 i want to retire at 50 i don't want to do that stressful job for as long as i want so sure. the idea is if you want to retire early you need to start planning for it early Correct. now always people say that you know the first salary should always go as a treat but if you really ask me what is the right age to start planning for retirement the right age to start planning for retirement is the day when you get your first paycheck yep. and if you actually do google and go and read articles on bloomberg and market watch i get surprised sometimes when i get to see that someone retiring in their early 30s i was reading that one girl in us joined some company in 23 and she retired at 30 so she retired within her first job by the time she was 30 Now, when I say retirement, does not means that she's sitting at home and probably doing nothing. She's financially retired. So I think uh, a better term would be financially independent, in in a sense, right? I mean, you you you're free from having the to work because you need money. Absolutely, like you come to a stage wherein you know you decide whether you want to work, but you don't yeah, work because you, you have to, to work. Correct. So there was an article again I was reading which says that four hundred and sixty-two thousand people age above sixty-five last year in UK went back to work. Hmm. because they were fixed on one small amount of pension that they're going to get every week but they did not factor the cost of living globally 30% food inflation has gone all around the world so the cost of living has gone up so when you sure. don't plan and when you don't factor the silent killer inflation this is what happens so that's that's my concept of retirement which is which is very simple mm. you need to create a pot which is going to take care of your basic expenses there are two ways of doing it either you build a pot over a period of time that's taking care of your basic expenses mm-hmm. or you create multiple sources of income wherein that those multiple sources of income are paying for your basic expenses sure so you you're creating either a corpus or a source of passive income Correct. So, or both absolutely all right perfect so uh, what is the next step then from there okay so we move to the last one which is the important one so all these assets that you've built over a period of time if may i ask you like do you know how much money today in india would be sitting unclaimed it's an obscene amount i don't want to think about it but i know it's an obscene amount okay so the number i i i remember and i was actually looking at my linkedin because i keep posting a lot of articles on linkedin i see that 2 3 years down the line i posted the number was around 30000 crore yeah. then again last year because of the pandemic 2020 and last to last year it was around 60000 crore wow. and recently i checked the number is almost 82000 crore yeah. which what is what happens to this money i mean this is money from uh, different people who've 
you know, struggled, worked hard, saved it, put it into an account or something on those correct, lines. Correct, absolutely. So this is like almost $11 billion which is sitting unclaimed, could be into bank accounts, could be into insurance policies, wherein people have built that asset, but they never discussed and shared with everyone in the family. Mm. So I always tell my clients, okay, you're building an asset, you're building it for your family. Correct. What's the point if they don't get it? Yep. So giving you two real life scenarios, I went for a meeting recently to a client's house and he has a $2 million insurance with me. And I asked him, do you include your wife in your financial planning discussion or your kids? She said, yeah, she's kind of aware of it, but not 100%. I, yep. I'm the decision maker. So I said, okay, fine. So the moment wife comes, I said, uh, would you mind involving her in this meeting? Would, would Is it okay if I ask her a few questions? She said, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I asked the wife, so which insurance company does he has insurance with? And do you know how much insurance has he got? Mm. So he says, he only has all the papers <laughs> because he does everything. I okay. said, but you're the beneficiary. Yep. But do you know he's got a $2 million cover in place? Do you at least know whether he's insured with Zurich or AXA or Sun Life or whatever? So at least people don't even know those things that where am I insured with? So that is one thing I keep telling my clients that at least let everyone in the family know that, you know, uh, what insurance, what investments have you got? Because end of the day, you keep building it. Another client of mine, she said, I was born here and my father came here in 1960. Now he passed away uh, like two years back and he said all these years that he's worked hard, he's got four or five small land in India. Mm. So what he did every point in time, whenever he got some savings, went back to India and bought some land. But he never shared the deals with his wife or his daughter. Now the question is, where does she go and find out which part of India has he got land and where are the documents, where <laughs> are the papers. So it's, it's that simple. So legacy planning is nothing but a, a smooth transition of your wealth. People <laughs> over here, I do a lot of wills. So people do a lot of wills, which is very important, especially if you own a property here, because that's governed by the law of land that comes under the Sharia law. And very important for people to understand that whatever assets I'm building, if it's not passed on smoothly to the next generation, why am I even building it? Correct. So the simplest way which I could tell all our listeners to do is very simple. People are tech savvy these days. This is one of my British client does and he owns an IT firm. He says, you know what? I've got a Google share drive yeah. in which I have uploaded all my investments, all my assets, all my insurance. Now this, I've given an access as a share drive to my wife, to my kids, to my parents and to my wife's parents. Yeah. So God forbid something goes wrong. All of them have one portal where they've got their important documents, where they have all the important bank account details and everything. So one client of mine recently went back to India, said my mom passed away because of cancer. So I'm just going back to close all her bank account. Yeah. But the question is, I don't know how many bank accounts she has. Correct. And where all does she has bank account? Like, you know, in India, people say I'm going to the locker. Yeah. So they don't even know. Even sometimes husbands don't know which locker wife has an account with. Sure. So legacy planning is nothing that the last and the most important step of every financial planning, wherein you need to make sure that you have a plan in place wherein you have created all your assets and put it into a pot that will be used like, you know, that's going to go for the next generation. That's a smooth transition. So that's something which everyone should need to look into account. So I always say, sometimes we plan a date with our spouses, plan a financial date with your wife mm. and discuss all of this, like at least once in six months or once in a year so sure. that she knows whatever you have done for them and involve your kids as well. Absolutely. Because kids, kids need to be, kids are smarter these days and, you know, they need to know, okay, until unless you inculcate the habit in them from the very beginning, it, 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 you know, kind of motivates them as well. You know, my father used to involve me in my financial planning discussion absolutely. when I was younger. That's make them financially sensible as absolutely. well. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Pranak, uh, you've taken us through the five steps. Can you just give us a quick recap? So the first stage was... Uh, building an emergency pot, which is nothing but your six months of your expenses. Right. Why that is important. So that's the foundation. So foundation. foundation Absolutely. Yeah. Next. Next step is creating a plan B in place to protect three Ds of your life. Okay. Which is death, disease, disability. God forbid something goes wrong. 
you have a plan b in place yeah. so foundation we've got the safety next uh, net next net then is the third one is goal based financial so, planning so okay. referring so to word goal of, correct uh, yeah accumulation wealth. of your wealth you go through stages wealth accumulation wealth creation wealth preservation so have a definite goal and correct. earmark all your investment to different goals like right. my property in india is assigned for my retirement sure. my fd money is resting for my kids or yeah. daughter's wedding things like that so earmark it uh, the next stage so uh, we're coming down foundation safety net accumulation retirement planning retirement planning okay you can call it financial independence wherein you need to decide what age you need to take uh, a break that you need to decide whether i need to go to work or no Correct. so that's financial independence so start planning for it the right age to do it the day when you get your first paycheck perfect and the last stage is leaving uh, a legacy and you know being able to share the wealth and the uh, the the um, investments that you've got with absolutely. your family with your beneficiaries with your uh, absolutely uh, for the smooth transition so that whatever you've built at least it goes into the right hands awesome perfect thank you so much ronak for taking us through those uh, those core principles giving us a framework to think about uh, how we go about planning and uh, think about both planning for getting started as well as uh, towards the end of uh, the wealth accumulation phase how to distribute that so uh, i hope you have um, a fantastic week and any message that you'd like to leave uh, our audience with regards to how they can contact you get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about this book so they can reach out to me on my linkedin i keep sharing a lot of articles you can follow me on linkedin ronak mehta and you can also connect with me on my website ronakmehta.com and uh, you can reach out to me for any time if you need I, i'll be I'm always available for a quick complimentary meeting at my expense wherein i'll be happy to help my uh, clients and prospects understand the flow which most of the successful people are following worldwide thank you most welcome thank you